Welcome back to the PC Youth Pod. Thanks for taking time to listen. We are doing a part two from last week's message. This week is The Savior Has Conquered. Spending intentional time reflecting on your salvation and what Jesus has done for you so you can tell others what Jesus has done for them. Open your Bibles, turn to Matthew 27 as we get into this week's message. Good Friday and Easter Sunday service basically in the one message before those two days even happen. But I feel like it's appropriate for us to, to learn and to be reminded of what they are. So we're going to continue in the series remembering the Savior, remembering Jesus, what he's done for us, the power that comes with his name, and tonight's focus on is what he has conquered. Really two messages into one, like I said. We're going to cover a lot of this story, but I'm excited for everyone to hear this story again, or maybe for the first time. I know I've been reading it over and over and over the past maybe even few weeks as we've um, been approaching Holy Week. It's a special time for us as Christians. The Savior has conquered. So if you have your Bibles tonight, I hope you do. Open up to Matthew chapter 27. The book of Matthew is written by Matthew. It's one of the Gospels, the accounts of Jesus. We're going to dive into a lot of scripture tonight, so I hope you're ready. It's going to be on the screen if you don't have your Bible. Do you have your Bible? Raise it. You have it. If it's your phone, it's okay. Just don't get distracted. Good job. It's growing. Matthew chapter 27. We're also going to be in chapter 28 later. Um, but before we dive in to the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus, there's two, there's a, actually not two, there's a few massive moments that occurred um, that we need to have context around that help us understand this story further. Um, before uh, anything that we're about to read, before what happens um, is pretty meaningful and helps us to have context around um, how powerful these moments are. First is Judas, who was one of Jesus' disciples. Um, he actually goes to the chief priest and says, Hey, what can I get um, to turn Jesus into you? What can I get to turn Jesus into? And they offer him silver and, and he comes back and he turns Jesus in, long story short, and betrays Jesus, one of his disciples, one of the twelve. Judas betrays Jesus. And Jesus actually foretold of this. He knew this was going to happen. All throughout the story we're going to read tonight, we see clearly, and we know, because we know the whole story now, we know that Jesus knew what was going to happen the whole time. Second, Jesus was before the council, and Peter was outside in the courtyard, another disciple, um, and listening, and he denied Jesus three times. Three times people came up to him and said, you must be close with Jesus. You must know him. And Time, three times he denied him and said, I do not know who Jesus is. Jesus foretold this, and he told Peter, you're going to deny me three times. And then after this moment, Peter remembered that and felt ashamed, and he wept. What's also really interesting to me that provides context is Pilate even admitted himself that he didn't feel Jesus had anything to blame. When, when Pilate was standing before the crowd, he said, what has Jesus done? To, to make him guilty, and should we give the crowd, would you like Barabbas and instead? They still said, no, we want, give us Barabbas, we want Jesus to be crucified. So like we talked all about last week, Jesus knew what was going to happen throughout this whole week. He entered into Jerusalem on the donkey, knowing that days later he would die on a cross. And he knew that he would do it with you and me in mind. He also knew that, that he would rise again and conquer death in the grave. So think about that as we read this story. 
how fascinating it is that Jesus knew what he was doing, he knew what he was walking into, and the whole time he was being obedient to the path that his heavenly father laid before him. He knew what needed to happen for yours and mine's salvation. Matthew 27, go to verse 39 with me. That's where we're going to start. It says this. Those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads. So this is Jesus on the cross at this point. Those who passed by him, wagging their heads and saying, You who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. So, all, so also the chief priests with the scribes and the elders mocked him, saying he saved others, he cannot save himself. He is the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross, and we will believe in him, in fact. He trusts in God, let God deliver him. If he desires him, for he said, I am the son of God, and the robbers who were crucified with him also reveled in him in the same way. So people knew who Jesus was. He knew the miracles and the miraculous things that he did, and they were mocking him for it. They said, oh, you're the Son of God? Prove yourself to us. Bring yourself down from the cross. Save yourself. They knew about the signs and wonders that he had performed. He knew that he proclaimed himself the Son of God. And the audacity that they would have to come before him and mock him for it. Oh, if you really are the Son of God, save yourself then. And then we'll believe in you. Although, this is important tonight to grab hold of. Although Jesus could have in fact saved himself, he did it because he was fulfilling the desire of his heavenly Father. He had you and me in mind when he was hanging on that cross with nails in his hands. He knew that he was dying for our salvation. He knew that he was dying because there was a sin-filled world that needed to be washed clean. He knew that we were doomed for death and he wanted us to have access to eternal life. So although he could have actually saved himself and proved all these, these people wrong, and said, oh, actually, yeah, I am a son of God. Watch. And they would have believed it. Instead, he stayed there and died for you and for me. That's really important for us to understand right off the bat. Go to verse 46. It says, The ninth hour Jesus cried out with a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, This man is calling Elijah. And one of them at once ran into his sponge, filled it with sour wine, put it on a reed, and gave it to him to drink. Yet, but the other said, Wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, this is important, verse 51, Behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And the earth shook and the rocks were split. The tombs also were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. Coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. When the centurion and those who were with him Keeping watch over Jesus saw the earthquake and what took place. They were filled with awe and said, truly, this was the Son of God. But he was already dead. What happened after, immediately after Jesus' death, it says in verse 51 that the curtain was torn. Some other translations say the veil was torn. For those of you that don't know what that means, immediately upon Jesus' death, any separation between people and God was gone. Because up until that point, the law was that you had to have a priest go into the temple and speak to God on your behalf. And there was a curtain. And it says in this passage that the curtain was torn, symbolizing the separation between us and God. We now have direct access to relationship with Him because of Jesus' death. 
And the people noticed what happened. They said that the veil was torn, there was earthquakes, and they realized that who they just killed was the Son of God. Imagine the scene. A lot of you have heard this story before. Maybe this is the first time you've heard it. But try to put yourself in that, in that situation. You're watching this happen. And maybe you were a mocker, and you were mocking Jesus, and you realized that the man that just cried out his last breath was the Son of God. Because of the, the veil being torn, we can now speak to God and Jesus whatever we want, and He's constantly speaking to us. The second thing to notice from this portion of the passage is that those who were mocking quickly realized who He was, like I said, that He was in fact the Son of God. They understood the power that was displayed in who Jesus was. They understood the power that came with Him. And what's interesting is this was all part of God's plan. He knew that there would be a world that was destined for death, and that his son would have to come to die a gruesome death to save it. And he knew that he, knew that he would be mocked. And he knew that people would question him and, and make him suffer a criminal's death which he didn't deserve. God knew all of it. From the moment he created you, he knew that you were going to be saved. He knew that he'd have to send a son to save us. He wanted us to have direct relationship with Him. He wanted to us to live eternally with God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit in heaven. Don't ever forget what God and Jesus did for you. Don't ever forget it. Let this passage be a reminder. We're reading it together tonight, but I would encourage you to go home and read one of the accounts of this in one of the Gospels for yourself and really reflect on what Jesus did. Because I'm trying to read as much as I can, but there's a lot of it in here that shows how gruesome and undeserving this death was. There are two crucial things that we must remember to practice. The main point tonight is spend intentional time reflecting on your own salvation and what Jesus has done for you, and at the same time tell others what Jesus has done for them. Reflect and remember what Jesus has done for you on the cross, what he had to suffer so that you could live. Remember it. Don't ever forget it. Don't ever take it for granted. Don't ever lose sight of what Jesus had to go through so that you could experience new life in Him. Don't ever lose sight of it. And at the same time, tell others about it too. Because there's some people that maybe do know what Jesus has done, but they need, a, they need a good reminder. There's some people that don't know what Jesus has done, and they need to be told. Remember what Jesus did for you, and tell others what Jesus has done for them. It's our duty as Christians. It's our duty, it's our job. Jesus owed you and me nothing. He didn't owe us a thing, but he gave us everything. Jesus owed you and me nothing, but he gave you everything. We live in a culture that is against us. It could be really easy to lose sight on the undeserving gift that we received. We live in a, in a world that's constantly changing, it's constantly shifting. It can be really easy if you choose to live in it to lose sight of what God did. Don't ever. I beg you, don't ever forget what Jesus did for you. Don't take it for granted. Keep your focus on Him. Keep your focus, especially this week. It should be every week that we're remembering what God did. But as we celebrate it on Good Friday, this Friday, and Easter Sunday, His resurrection, Keep your focus on Him. Jesus' shed blood on the cross is not an excuse for you to live however you want and then ask for forgiveness later. 
Jesus didn't die and shed real blood and experience real pain on a cross so that you could do whatever you want for your first maybe 30 years of your life and then feel like you can get your life together and ask for forgiveness. No, he died on a cross for you so that you could chase after him always, so that you could experience relationship with him always, so that you could be safe from the sin and the death that you were destined for. Jesus' death on the cross does not give you a free pass to do these things that make life seem fun culturally and then repent later. If that's your way of thinking tonight, I'd like you to change it. Jesus' death should be a motivation for you to desire deep relationship with him. Because Jesus receiving nails in his hands is proof that he loves you. The story of Jesus dying, God's plan was not to just create, to send his son to create some story that we can read about. God sending Jesus to die on the cross and receive nails in his hands and hang there is not a moment in history that we just read about and say, wow, look how cool that was, that he would do that. No. The death of Jesus on the cross was so that you and I could live. That our sins could be washed free. Our Savior conquered sin on the cross. So I promise you can conquer anything you're facing. We're going to read the next portion of the scripture. And a lot of you know that on the third day he resurrected and rose again. He conquered sin and death. So anything that you're facing right now, I promise you can conquer it too. Anything that you feel like is prohibiting you in life, anything that is getting in the way, any sin that you're facing, any struggle, any, any trouble that is evident in your life right now, Jesus conquered sin, I promise if you allow him into your life and follow him, he will allow you to conquer what you're facing. But you can't conquer these things by yourself. That's important to know tonight. Yielded to Jesus and your Heavenly Father, they will allow you to come out of any dark place or any dark circumstance. Don't try to survive on your own strength. Give your life completely to Jesus and He will deliver you from the thing that you can't shape on your own. Because if you try, if you try to face abuse on your own, if you're, if you're suffering from abuse and you try to fix it by yourself, and conquer it by yourself, you will not receive the same healing that you will receive if you allow Jesus to enter your heart and into your life. If you're trying to conquer a pornographic addiction, if you try to do it by yourself, you will not win. If you're trying to conquer a gossip issue, and you're trying to do it by yourself on your own strength, you will not win. You need Jesus at the center of everything you do to live and to exist and to conquer what you're facing. Jesus is the only answer. And the way he died, the reason he died is so that we could have life and life to the full. At the same time, go and tell those around you that if they feel lost, they are found. Tell people around you that when they feel like they're dying, Jesus actually died to save them. The argument would be, oh, Spencer, well, like, I'm not, my faith isn't perfect yet, so I, I don't have the credibility to go and tell people about what Jesus did. That would be an argument for some of you. Some of you would say, well, Spencer, I'm still facing all these, all these things on my own. I know what Jesus did for me, but until I figure this out, I can't tell people about what Jesus has done for them. If that's what you're thinking right now, I promise you, you are wrong. Jesus didn't ask you to be perfect. He asked you to be obedient. Don't wait until you have your life completely figured out to start moving in the calling of your life. Because I'm going to tell you the truth. You're not going to have your life completely 
God. None of us do. You're never going to come to the point where you're like, oh, check mark, check mark, I got all the, my boxes filled. Now I can go witness to people. Start witnessing now. Don't wait until you have it all figured out. Move now. Save, help, and tell people about Jesus now. It's not you that's going to say that it's the blood of Jesus. Don't be selfish with your faith. Share it. It's not just yours. Jesus didn't die for just you. He died for existence. He died for this earth and everybody on it. There's a lot of people that might know this story and they need a reminder. Tell them. There's a lot of people that don't know this story. You must, must inform them of what Jesus has done. Every single day, do as much as you literally can to bring back thanks and praise to Jesus. Praise Him and honor Him for the sacrifice He made for you. At the end of Matthew 27, after Jesus has died, the guards appear before, before Pilate and Jesus is in the tomb. and They appear before Pilate and they say, Pilate, the, the tomb needs to be secured. As you remember the imposter, they're talking about Jesus. As you remember the imposter said that he would rise again. We don't want anybody to steal him. We don't want his disciples to go and to say and to steal him and say that Jesus has risen, even though we know that wouldn't be the case. Blah blah. blah. They say, Pilate, we need to go secure the tomb because we think his disciples are going to steal him and, and say these rumors about him. And Pilate said, Okay, go secure it. But what we're about to read tonight is that these guards were in for a treat. Actually, a big surprise. Because they thought they were securing a tomb with a, with a dead body, but we're about to read that they were securing a tomb with a dead body that was actually going to come back to life and walk out, and that they were going to be in awe of him. So you turn with me to Matthew 28, we're going to start in verse 1. The story was not over. After the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb, and behold, there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen. Come see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you in Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go tell my brothers to go to Galilee. And there they will see me. If Jesus were just to die and conquer sin and death, our sins would have, would have been forgiven, but we would have had access to relationship with Jesus. Jesus died for us, but then rose again. And now we have access to a deep and authentic relationship with a living, a living God. Our God is alive, not dead. Thank God we get to come to this place and to worship a living God, not a dead statue. Thank God that our sins were forgiven, but thank God that the one that forgave our sins and, and conquered them is now alive. Imagine being with, I mean, we weren't, obviously, but imagine being with Mary Magdalene and Mary. And the, the angel appears. This is not just some story to make us feel good. This story is real. And because of it, 
Our lives could be altered for forever if we choose to act appropriately. If we choose to, to dive into a deep relationship with Jesus, we experience eternity with Him. Some of you tonight might be doomed for death. You might come in here and say, Spencer, I have nothing going for me. I'm a sinful person. There's a lot of abuse in my family. I'm struggling with this sin, this sin, this sin. And I'm going to die. There's no hope for me. This story is your hope. Jesus is your hope. I promise. Some of you, of you in here have heard this story a million times in Sunday school, and this is a reminder for you to not take the blood of Jesus for granted. To live, actually, like Jesus died for you. To live remembering like he died for you. To live remembering that he's alive and that you can actually talk to him and be in prayer with him and have a relationship with him. God is always speaking to us, but we must speak back. This is not just a story to make us feel good. This is not a, just a historical moment. This is a historical moment that impacted the rest of eternity for good. Jesus brings us new life. Aren't you thankful that we serve a God who is not dead? He is living. Bethel recently released a song a few months ago. Bethel's a church down in California, but I love this song. It's called Son of Suffering. I would play it for you, but I can't. I'm definitely not going to sing it for you, so I'm going to read the lyrics. It articulates the power of Jesus so well and what happened on the cross. It says this. The bridge says, your cross is my freedom. Your stripes are my healing. All praise King Jesus. Glory to God in heaven. Your blood is still speaking. Your love is still reaching. Because of what Jesus suffered on the cross, we still have freedom because of the cross. We have healing because of the suffering that he, that he felt. His blood is still speaking to us and has power today. His love is still reaching after us. The same love that he felt for you and for me when he laid and hung from the cross, that same love is still reaching for you today. The same love that was thinking about Z and Ali and Gabriella and Alex, the same love that was thinking about Ethan, the same person, that same compassionate, real, authentic love is still reaching for you today. So if you're at a place where you feel lost and you're dying, I promise Jesus will reach his hand out and welcome you back. If you've turned your back on him and you feel like you have no more, you have no more hope, you feel like God will never accept you back into his arms, I promise you he will because his love is still reaching. If you are experiencing real pain, if you actually have a bodily injury, if, you're, if your mind is not right, Jesus will He'll heal your physical, he'll heal your, he'll, he will heal your spiritual, and he actually, because of the death on the cross, heals us for the sake of eternity. Because we're no longer destined for death, we're destined for, destined for life with him. We're not just healed from earthly things, we're actually also healed in eternity with him. The punishment that he experiences our healing, the blood that was shed has power. He did all of it because he loves us. He loves you and me, and he's never going to stop. All of this happened because of true, authentic love. Of course, if you want to join me tonight, I think it's just on, on the keys. Will you stand as we read the last portion of this passage? You and I, speaking to the Christians in the room tonight, you and I have direct instruction from Jesus. 
At the end of Matthew 28, he lays before his disciples the Great Commission. And just as he spoke to his disciples then, he's speaking to us now. And he has laid out a job, a duty for us to fulfill. Matthew 28, verse 16 says this, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw them, when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go for, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. That same instruction that he gave his disciples at that time to, to start the church, basically, that same instruction he gives to us. Because if you, have, if you have said yes to Jesus tonight, if you are living a life devoted to Him, for Him, not for yourself, if you consider yourself a believer in this place, you have a duty to go and to make disciples of all nations, not just Salem, not just your school, not just Oregon. And a lot of your single friends are right travel. What if your money to Project Rescue would go to bring someone to Christ? That's how you go to all nations. Yes, there's missions trips. Those are good. But Jesus says, go to all nations and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I will be with you always. He gives instructions to his disciples. He gives instructions to you and to me. So my question tonight is, how have you responded to that? How have you responded to the instruction that God, Jesus has given we know what he's done. We know what he's conquered. The Savior has conquered sin, death, and the grave, and has commanded us to do something. So if I were you, I would listen. If the man that just conquered death comes before me and says, do this, I'm listening. I'm doing whatever he says. And that's what this moment is. So last week, in the response time of our service, we, we had you take out your phones and make a list of students. How many of you did that? Take out your phone again and look at that list. Imagine making a list of students that you know have not heard about Jesus, or maybe they've heard about him, but they need a reminder. Some of you, I believe that list was long. Maybe some of you thought this was one person. But there's people in our lives, there's people in our circles of influence that need to know the good news. They need to know the story of what Jesus has done. And so we made that list so that so that we can understand and understand what people are in our schools, what people are on our teams, what people are we interacting with that need to know. And the list was made so that you could go and you could go and you could go share what Jesus has done, but invite them to a to an Easter service this weekend or a Good Friday service this weekend. How are you doing with the progress? How far are you? I have a list on my phone. In this whole past week, I've, I've been reaching out to my friends that I know are far from God and inviting them to church, inviting them to experience the presence of God with the community of believers. How far are you down your list? Don't answer it to me right now, but look at it. And there's going to be people that pop off your phone and say, and God's going to speak to you and say, that person needs to know who I am. That person needs to know what I've done for them. The first step in making disciples of all nations like Jesus has told us is to share the good news with these people. To share the good news with people on our, on our phones that we know need Jesus. 
We heard the good news together tonight. So if you don't feel like you're qualified to go and to tell people what God has done, just read them this story. All of you can read. If you don't feel like you have enough credibility to walk with Jesus, I promise you you're wrong. Because it doesn't take you to save a person. God's good grace will save that person. So just share the story that we just read. Invite them to church so they can experience the presence of God in community together. And imagine, they come to church for the first time, maybe Friday or Sunday. And I actually believe that there's some people in this room that are here because last week their friend invited them to come to this group tonight. If that's you, I'm glad you're here. But imagine these friends, these People in our schools that we invite, imagine they come to church and they keep coming and they keep coming and they hear about what God's done. They hear about His love for them. And they say yes to Jesus. Imagine that one person, maybe 10 people, that 20 people on your phone, imagine they come to church and they say yes to Jesus. Their lives will be changed for forever. And you would have a reason of that because you were bold enough to share. You were bold enough to let go of your pride, let go of your ego, to let go of uh, maybe your insecurity, let, let go of that awkwardness that you might feel and say, hey, I don't know where you're at if you're walking with the Lord, with the Lord but I, I just feel strongly that, that you need to know what Jesus has done for you. Imagine that person's getting saved. I have many, many people in my head right now that I'm thinking about. Imagine they get saved. Then imagine they keep coming to church and they get water baptized. And we see them on a Sunday morning experience the celebration of new life in Christ. Water baptism is, is getting rid of our old life in the water and coming up as a new person. It's a symbol for what God has done for us. It's a symbol of being washed clean. Imagine they get baptized. Imagine watching them start to do the same thing with other students. Imagine watching that person that you've invited start to disciple others. It'll continue to multiply and multiply and multiply. And eventually, not for the sake of having a lot of kids in our youth group, but eventually we will have a lot of souls that are headed to, to heaven in our youth group. I do not care about how many people that are in the seats tonight. I care about how many souls are going to heaven. So imagine you invite them, they get saved, they get baptized, and they start to invite others, they start to disciple others. That is the great commission. That is what Jesus has commanded us to do. It just doesn't, it doesn't take just one. It doesn't take just me. It doesn't just take bread. It doesn't just take one, two, three. It takes all of us together responding to the, to the direction that Jesus has given us. They would come and they would sustain. Tonight, we're going to spend time praying for the, the list that you made on your phone. If you haven't made a list, list that you weren't here last week or you didn't do it because you were being honoring, make a list tonight. You still have tomorrow and Friday is Good Friday. Between then and Friday, between now and Friday, you can share the good news of Jesus with a lot of people and definitely invite them to church. And then Easter is Sunday. Still make a list. Make a list of people that you know are hurting. And you need to know that God has saved them. For those of you that aren't having this, take out your phone right now. Open up your phone to the list, to your notes app, wherever you made it, and it's a piece of paper. And I want you to put your hand on it. And we're going to pray 
that these people that we know are lost will be found this weekend. That these people that we know are hurting will no longer be hurting come Friday or Sunday. That they will hear the good news of Jesus and that their life will alter. To stay caught up with everything happening, check us out at peopleschurch.com as well as on Instagram at PC Youth Salem.